Happy Michigan Monday to you all, or Tuesday if you are listening to this in the the morning. My apologies for not getting out a podcast early. I did not have power until this morning uh, for about 30 plus hours. So uh, we are doing it at night now that I am home from all of the, uh, the press conferences and stuff like that. So today we are obviously going to talk about Michigan's big 45 to 14 win over Notre Dame. A uh, huge win. We'll talk about what that means, uh, what went right, obviously. Second segment, we will talk about what it means for the program uh, and uh, where things can go from here. And then we'll finish out talking about Ohio State and why they are so daunting, which because, you know, I need to put a buzzkill on everything, apparently. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where we're at. Uh, Lockdown Wolverines podcast, part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And, uh, yeah, so let's talk about the game at first. Huge game for Michigan. They absolutely bullied Notre Dame on both fronts. Uh, I was honestly, I mean, I wasn't surprised overall. I was surprised in the way that Michigan just manhandled them, especially the defensive line to the offensive line. Uh, only two sacks, uh, on the game, I believe. Uh, and, uh, that those went to, uh, one to Aiden Hutchinson, one to Quiddy pay though. Another one, w- uh, should have gone to Luigi Villain. It was his sack that forced that fumble from, uh, Phil Jakovic. And, uh, yeah, uh, that was as impressive of a performance as we've seen. Uh, with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, considering the uh, what Notre Dame is, and that is what I what I said that Notre Dame was before. Number one, it's a rival. Number two, it's a very good team, but not a great team. When you when you see the fact that Notre Dame really really hung tough with Georgia on the road at Georgia, and they needed this game especially that much more. Their back was against the wall, especially with Oklahoma losing. And they just came out and couldn't do anything. Now, some people ask, why did they throw the ball? Ian Book attempted 25 passes. Uh, Phil Jakovic got four in. Uh, Book only completed eight of those passes. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they recognized that Tony Jones was not going to be able to run the ball. Eight carries for 16 to- uh, 14 total yards. 1.8 per carry. Could not get anything going in the run game whatsoever. And if you look at halftime, uh, at that point, they had attempted 13 passes. Uh, the, the next 12 came in the second half when it, it basically stopped raining. And Michigan, they did not attempt to do the same kind of tomfoolery, which was a good thing to see. Shea Patterson was two for four at halftime. Uh, completed four more passes. Went four for eight down the stretch, but uh, really solid game for Michigan, particularly the run game. I thought that that was the most impressive thing. As I said, that was the biggest concern uh, for the staff from what I know going into the Illinois game. And ever since then, they have run the ball very well against Illinois. They came out, they opened up holes in ways that they hadn't. Uh, Then against uh, Crindy. Name's not Crindy. Um, <laughs> rest of development for y'all who don't know. That's one. Of my, that's my favorite rest of development joke that I use constantly. Uh, 
after that Penn State, they ran the ball pretty effectively uh, down the stretch against a team that doesn't allow the run. So Michigan's clearly gotten a lot better. They went back to, as Michael on Wenyu said after the game, we went back to some stuff that was working last year. And uh, that's what's really kind of made things different. And we've seen how different it is. They're opening up holes in ways that they haven't done since week one. Week one, they were open up, uh, opening up these giant running lanes, and they didn't do it until Illinois. So this Michigan football team is its suddenly looking a little bit different on the offensive side of the ball. We all scoffed myself included when Jim Harbaugh said we're hitting our stride on offense. Now I understood that in practice they uh you know when when they've been saying like yeah in practice we're we're excellent, we're awesome. We're we're doing very 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 good. It's just not translating to games. I understand that if you're seeing things work in practice but it's not working games, I mean, you have to figure out a way to make that happen. And obviously they went for a change. They recognized, "Hey, we can do this better." So they did. And that's exactly what we got. Uh, so huge for them. Hassan Haskins, uh, any listener of this program knows my thoughts on him. 20 carries for 149 yards, averaging 7.4 yards a clip. They just could not bring him down. Another solid outing lost in that is Zach Charbonnet. 15 carries for 74 yards. True Wilson had six carries for 48 yards. Three touchdowns between Zach Charbonnet and True Wilson. Uh, Shea Patterson kept the ball a few times. Now the one fumble really kind of hurt as far as, uh, as far as his yardage 11 for 40, uh, before you take away the 38 yards and loss. Now, this is what I expected Michigan's offense to look a lot more like, obviously not as much with the passing game, only hundred yards passing going six for 12, uh, from Patterson, 134 total. Cause you got two for two for McCaffrey. He hit that strike to Mike Sainer still, uh, it, but, you know, the weather conditions are what they are. And it's funny, as my friend always sends me all these negative comments from message boards, which, by the way, we are getting message boards on November 7th uh, on Wolverine's Wire. So look forward to that. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's, fun. It, it's it's funny because there were still people, he was sending me screenshots of people complaining about Shea and what have you, but as far as his throwing the ball. But listen, they, he didn't need to throw the ball. I thought he played excellent in this game. Um, yeah, not, not all the throws were phenomenal, but the weather, I mean, I spent the entirety of this time, uh, my, my time on the field, my six hours on the field, like just number one drenched despite all of the rain gear I was wearing. Number two, very concerned about the, uh, the vitality of my new camera and new lens, uh, $5,000 worth of equipment that I just recently got. And so it, it if I didn't, and I had rain covers on all of that, by the way. It, it it's one of those things where it made it's hard to even operate a camera with a rain cover with one hand that was mostly dry. So when you're when you're getting a football involved, it's going to make things a lot more difficult. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I just think it was a really good performance there defensively. I mean, they just made life absolute hell for Notre Dame. Uh, I like to say Notre Dame. Carl Grappentine didn't say it this time. Last time that Michigan played Notre Dame at home, it was, you know, first down Notre Dame. You know, Notre, not that. But uh, two tackles, five tackles for loss. They both had the same uh, the same deal in uh, as far as the uh, the stat lines on defense there. Again, Cam McGrone, 
I haven't been able to say enough good things about him. He's just been excellent. Jordan Glasgow really showed out in this game as well. Uh, really good. And I also want to want to mention uh, Pay, Aiden Hutchinson. Um, actually, I, I, I erroneously said that uh, Valane was not credited for a sack. He was. I'm looking at it now. Uh, I just read it wrong. Uh, but Valane with the the sack the that gave them gave the football back to Michigan. Another, that was another huge play. It was about time we finally saw him. We talked to him today, and he was saying like, "Hey, you know, mentally I'm back, but physically it's it's still tough having not played football for two years, and now he's playing college football for the first time. So it does take a moment to get into it." And uh, that's uh, sometimes, you know, you get better at playing fo- you get football by playing football. That's the most important thing. So, yeah, that was uh, that was obviously great. So let's talk about where Michigan goes from here in uh, just a moment. And then we'll finish up talking about Ohio State, why they're so daunting. But talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoided altogether excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I am just not feeling it. But Roman, with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real med- medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED for, with all the comfort and privacy of your home. Uh, the doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com locked and complete an online evaluation. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash lock to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash lock for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash locked. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so where does Michigan go from here? Number one, this was, like I said, a huge win for Jim Harbaugh. You cannot take that away. Second uh, second win over a top 10 team. I mean, it's giant. And you did it over a rival. Michigan clearly found something there against uh, Penn State and continued to roll with it. I think they found it, honestly, before that. But the stage that was set at Penn State made it difficult. Penn State had all the momentum, all that kind of stuff early. And Michigan settled in. They talk a lot about trusting each other, not overextending, not trying to do too much defensively and how important that is to to, to really hone in. And they have looked like a different defense since they started doing that against Penn State. They looked the part against Iowa. We've seen it in spurts. Now, the problem is, is that team down south is is doing it all the time. We'll get to that in a moment, but Jim Harbaugh 
got a signature win. And you cannot take that away from him. Now, I think you beat, if you find a way to beat all three rivals, it's a huge season. Season. Wow. It's late. It, it, it really is. So it's a matter of stringing them together. You can't beat Ohio State right now. And I, I saw people complaining about the fumble still. Again, the elements, they are what they are. I know that's what Michigan's been prone to, but the elements do play a factor. You didn't have it from a running back. Yeah, you had it from Shea, but they recovered all of them. No harm, no foul in the end, really. The first one maybe cost them a touchdown, but they still won super handily, so whatever. Uh, so now you just have to string it, string more together. Go out there and look sharp against Maryland. Take it to Maryland, especially with everything that Mike Loxley said about Josh Gaddis. You know Gaddis, who seems to be getting way more comfortable in his play-calling abilities, is just yearning to punish. Maryland does not have a very good defense. Then you got Michigan State, which just looks abysmal at this point. Absolutely abysmal. If it wasn't any other team, if this was Indiana, and they had, had what Michigan State has... As far as you know, record stats, we would all be looking at this game as an obvious and op, uh, uh, you know obvious victory. But because it's Michigan State, I understand there's probably some trepidation. And yeah, you know what? These guys still do have to come out and play their best game because they're going to get Michigan State's best game. So you do that. Got to take care of things on the road in Indiana. Then when you get to that Ohio State game, they say all, all records go out the window. You just have to hope at that point that the offense has improved to a point where, hey, it's probably not going to be ranked any higher than 60th in the country, no matter what they do. But they have learned enough lessons to be able to do things, especially with the offensive line, because you have to be able to stymie Chase Young, who right now looks like the best college football player in the country. They've had a game where they've only gotten one sack, and that was against Northwestern. Now, I think that Michigan's defense is better than Northwestern, but we have also seen moments where they're not great. So I think getting to Ohio State and being fast with it is absolutely pertinent. And then on the other side of the ball, again, being fast but maintaining your integrity. It's, it's going to be... It, I, I'm not predicting a Michigan win, but actually, weirdly, the more that I think that that game is unwinnable for Michigan, the better I feel. Because they have been working in stuff that could take away options for Ohio State, but we still have to see it happen. Again, not pre I'm still going to predict an Ohio State win. I'll probably end up predicting Ohio State more than comfortable win once that time comes. But that time ain't here yet. And right now you can celebrate the Notre Dame win. And as you should, you should not like I, I heard some callers on the radio on my drive home from Ann Arbor. And there's just there were people that were sitting there saying like, you know, I'm disappointed because, you know, Harbaugh and, you know, this is just going to buy him more time. Like, listen, and like, you know, I was listening to Valenny and Valenny was actually pretty good for the most part today and praising Michigan. But. 
they're saying, okay, you know, this is just what Harbaugh is. He beats lesser teams, but this was not a lesser team. This, if, if anything, was an evenly matched team. We don't know what Georgia is. We'll know more this weekend when they play Florida, but Georgia, that Georgia loss looked pretty good as much as a, a loss can look good for a team. Just like the, the loss by Michigan to Penn State, you know, that ended up, that might end up being a quality loss once everything is said and done. So, we'll see, but this team has faith and confidence in each other, in a, and they never lost it. They could have just circled the drain after that Wisconsin game earlier in the year. They could have done it again after Penn State, and they didn't. This is a Michigan team that is improving as the year goes on, on both sides of the ball. And it, it just feels not different, but... It feels like it's coming together. Now they have to show it down the stretch because they kind of took the, I feel like they took the gas, the the foot off the gas pedal last year after the three game gauntlet. They need to continue to improve because you're going to get to that Ohio state game and you have to be able to be at your best. You can't just flounder going into that game and Ohio state plays Penn state. We don't know what will happen in that game. Yes. I'm assuming Ohio state will win comfortably, but we don't know that. We don't know how th- those things will go. They could get uh, they could get a match because right now, as I'm about to tell you, to some degree, Ohio State hasn't had a match. Now they were supposed to against Wisconsin, and they obviously have played extremely well. And I'm not taking anything away from Ohio State. I think Ohio State is the best team in the country at the moment. As much as it pains me to say that, they look sharp in every single category. Every single one. But you play these games for a reason. So next, your next step is to continue doing what you've been doing. Look good in all facets. Doesn't matter the opposition. Go on the road to Maryland. Look good doing it. Host Michigan State coming out of a bye week. And look good. Beat rival number two. It's been a mi- you know it's been a minute since Michigan's beat two rivals in the same year. Twenty eleven maybe. When they beat uh, Notre Dame under the lights, beat Ohio State to end the season. I think most people look at that as a successful season. They did not beat Michigan State, but that's what there's just to play for. May and you do that, you're gonna have a team that's actually fired up to go to a New Year's Six bowl game. No matter if Ohio State wins or loses to Penn State. If they lose to Penn State, that's probably bad for Michigan because they'll be angry and want to take out their aggression there. If they beat Penn State, they'll have the East Division all wrapped up. So let's get to some Ohio State stuff. But if you're looking for a company wants to reach an upscale mail audience, your company's ad should be running right here on this podcast. Get your company connected with this audience. Email me at ihole at usatoday.com to get more details about increasing your business. All right, so I spent an hour before the show just kind of compiling, looking at what Ohio State has done to teams and uh, it's not pretty. I'm going to tell you that 
Michigan has done this to teams defensively, generally. But uh, Ohio State's doing it both sides of the ball. So let's start with FAU. Opening game, they won, what, 45-21 to 21 or something like that? It was the Owls' worst offensive performance, worst rushing performance, worst yards per play, and third-worst passing. Their defense was the, it was the third-worst defensive performance, third-worst rush, third-best pass, and I apparently did not complete that with the yards per play for some reason. Cincinnati, whose singular losses to Ohio State, they, they got blown out 41 to nothing. It was the, the Bearcats' worst offensive performance, worst rushing performance, second-worst passing, and second-worst yards per play. Their worst yards per play, actually, what came in a win over UCF. It was the Bearcats' worst defensive performance, worst rushing performance, their third-worst performance against the past, and worst yards per play. Indiana, who did not have Michael Penix in that game, it was their worst across the board offensively, worst offense, total offense, worst rush, worst pass, worst yards per play. Defensively, it was mostly their worst, worst defensive, uh, total defense, yardage surrendered is what I'm going with with when I say worst offense, worst defense, worst rushing, uh, let up and rushing, worst yards per play, but it was their fourth worst passing performance out of the eight games. So Ohio State, not the biggest passing team. That's not where they kill you. They can kill you there, but that is not where they kill you. Miami of Ohio, who briefly had a lead, 5-3, to three, before they lost 76-5. to five. It was their worst offensive performance. Pass, yards per play, and second worst rushing performance. Their worst was against Iowa to open the season. It was their worst defensive performance, worst passing uh, defense, Yards per play was their worst, third worst rushing performance defensively. Nebraska. We thought that was a big game. Nebraska just lost to Indiana. Indiana you know, Nebraska does not look very good right now. That was their worst offensive performance, worst pass, worst yards per play. And it was their third best rushing performance, weirdly, on the season. Nebraska's defense had their worst... Uh, their worst def- it was their worst total defense, worst rush, wor- worst yards per play. Their fourth best pass, though. So they were pretty decent against the pass. MSU. It was their third worst offensive performance, which it's amazing that wasn't their worst. Their second worst rushing performance, their worst was against Wisconsin. Their fourth best passing performance, weirdly. And fourth best yards per play, weirdly. The MSU defense, supposedly coming into the season, as a lot of people thought, could be the number one defense in the country. It was their worst defensive performance, worst rushing, worst yards per play, and their third worst passing performance. So, yeah. Northwestern had the worst offense, worst passing performance, worst yards per play. Second best rushing performance of the season, though, with Isaiah Bowser. He wasn't in for the entire season. Defense, worst defense, worst rush, worst yards per play. Third worst passing performance. And then you have this last game, Wisconsin. It was their worst offense, worst rush, worst pass, worst yards per play. Defense was worst defense, worst rush, yards per play. Uh, was actually 
their worst, I believe. I didn't notate that correctly. It was their third worst passing performance defensively. The best team to have success against Wisconsin was Michigan, 259 yards. I know it came late, but it was. Ohio State hasn't given up 300 yards in a game yet. The best offenses that they have faced, the best offense they have faced is Michigan State. The best passing performance they have faced was Michigan State. The best rushing performance came via Nebraska, and Cincinnati had the highest yards per play in their second-worst yard-per-play performance of the season. Northwestern only allowed one sack, five tackles for loss, so that's good. They're 84th in sacks allowed. Indiana gave up quite a few. Again, no Michael Penix, though, and they are the best the team they've played in that regard, 26th. The best offense they've faced, again, without Penix, as far as total offense, Indiana was 31st. FAU's 56th, Nebraska's 58th, and Wisconsin's 60th. The best defense they faced, it hasn't mattered. Wisconsin still is number one. MSU is 23. Indiana is 26. That's not confidence-inducing. Ohio State has the seventh best offense in the country. They're ninth in the country in yards per play. Fourth in the country in rushing. 66th in passing. 89th in sacks allowed. And third in the country in scoring. So you can get to Justin Fields, but it doesn't seem to matter. And uh, passing-wise, they're not trying to blow you up that way. Defensively, it's terrifying. Second in the country, first in yards per play allowed, ninth in rushing, first in pass, fourth in sacks, first in scoring. Michigan, conversely, has the 78th rated offense, 56th, or sorry, 57th in rushing, 76th in passing, so kind of middling. 48th in sacks allowed, so they're pretty good at not allowing sacks. 53rd in scoring, and 80th in yards per play. Michigan's defense is 8th in the country, 20th at stopping the run, 6th at stopping the pass, 16th at getting to the quarterback, sacks, 16th in scoring, and 6th in yards per play. So that's that. Difficult proposition, to say the least. Felt like that needed to be looked at now. Let's keep an eye on it. We will continue to keep the eye on what Ohio State is doing moving forward. That'll do it. Tomorrow we'll react to uh, more. uh, more, We'll react to what some of the stuff that Harbaugh and the players had to say uh, today. So for the Locked on Wolverines podcast, I am your man on the ground. Isaiah Hole, find me online at Isaiah Hole. Follow the podcast at on Wolverines, Wolverines Wire, Wolverines Wire. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the show, email me at ihole at usatoday.com. You can find us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Himalaya, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, or online at wolverineswire.usatoday.com, where we post our daily podcast every single day to go along with the rest of your Michigan football coverage. This was Locked On Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.